Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. As a coach, something weighed on me and I wanted to do something about it. I was worried about the mental health of young athletes. So what did I do and who did I call upon? Stay tuned to find out. TeamSnap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. Fall sports season is right around the corner. Are you ready? TeamSnap is connecting the world of youth sports by providing solutions for coaches, administrators, and brands. TeamSnap for Teams offers coaches and team managers a top-tier youth sports management app to help you focus less on team management and more on coaching while TeamSnap for Business gives administrators the most complete youth sports management platform to run their clubs. And for brands looking to make noise in the youth sports marketing space, TeamSnap for Brands can help marketers reach parents on the field, at home, or on the go. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com winning for more information. Kids, like adults, have a lot of different coping mechanisms. I mean, how many times have you heard an elite athlete call their sport a sanctuary, a safe place, an escape? In my children's book series, The Middle School Rules, every athlete in the series leaned on sports to help them navigate through childhood challenges. So what happened when sports was taken away from kids in 2020, when COVID shut everything down? We still don't know the toll our children paid when schools went offline for weeks or online for months and practices and games were canceled or greatly diminished. Then remember the relief when things did start up again? But the sense of appreciation and gratitude were fleeting and the chaos of youth sports regained momentum and it seems to have surpassed the pre-COVID landscape. There's been a whole lot of attention about mental health of adults, but I felt strongly that not enough attention was paid to the mental health of youth, and in particular, young athletes. So I pitched the idea of a webinar on mental health in youth sports to my podcast sponsor, TeamSnap. And we wanted to speak to a professional athlete about his or her experience around sports and mental health. A friend at Wasserman connected me with Minnesota Vikings linebacker Brian Asamoa, who has displayed his passion for helping and encouraging young people through his volunteer efforts. In an initial visit, Brian and I hit it off, and we hosted a one-hour webinar, but here are some of the highlights of our conversation for you. Know this, though. This is just the beginning. These are Brian's stories and insights, but TeamSnap and I hope to keep this important conversation going in the months ahead. Hope you enjoy this. Brian, your family's originally from Ghana and you're one of five children. How old were you when you moved to Columbus, Ohio? And what was that transition like? I was actually born in Newark, New Jersey. Like you said, parents are from Ghana, so they migrated here from Ghana into Newark, New Jersey. That's where I was born in 2000. Shortly after I was born, probably about maybe a year or two later, moved to Columbus, Ohio, where I was developing as a young human being in this world. And been there ever since. From there, obviously, I went to school in different places. But yeah, it was great. It was a great opportunity 
So one, just see different types of cultures and beliefs coming from our parents being in Ghana and then adapting to this American society. And then doing this so shortly, it was just crazy, but I still have all my backgrounds. I still have my cultural beliefs in, in Ghana tradition. So yeah. I know sometimes that's very challenging. Whenever you're immigrating to a new country, what's that transition like for your family? And were there anything specific that you've heard from your parents or your siblings about maybe some of those challenges with that transition, Brian? First of all, it's extremely tough. Immigrants from Ghana, not really understanding what are the cultural differences here in the United States. Coming here, it was a huge, huge change for not only me, but my parents. It was hard for them trying to understand all right, where do we get work at? You know what I'm saying? Where do we live at? What are the nice places? Like, how do we adapt to the American society? That was kind of like the biggest challenge was adapting to the culture here. But I feel like they did a fantastic job in raising five children and understanding what it took for me to get here, but also understanding what it took for them to raise great young men. And then obviously my little sister. The hard part for them probably would be just adapting to the culture. And they still, they're still learning. You know what I'm saying? It's tough. You go from one, one Western culture to a whole different culture. And you're like, okay, how do we get settled in this state? How do we get settled in this country? But I think they did a great job of for sure. What sports did you grow up playing? And when did you really lock in on football, as you're saying? At the age of 10. So when I went to Ghana, I didn't play football for a year. And that was like the biggest thing for me is like, cause I had already developed the fundamentals of the game at the age of six, six years old is when I started playing football. So played it for about four years and boom, back to Ghana. That's when I was like, okay, once I got back, I was like, okay, this is what I want to do in life. You know what I mean? I had missed the sport so much because I was playing soccer and I didn't have the love of the game in soccer. And I was like, this is not what I want to do. I can't wait to get back to America and play football because I know when I get back to America, I'm going to take full advantage of the opportunity that's given me just to play the game of football. It's a great sport, but it doesn't owe anybody anything. So I was taking advantage of the opportunity, the blood, the sweat, and the tears that, that came with it. And I had lots of fun. Yeah, so that was great. To, that time away made you realize how much you love the sport, right? Yeah. How old were you when you started to feel pressure around mm -hmm. football? When I got to college, football high school is more so fun. It's creating memories with the guys on the team. And I had a wonderful time at St. Francis of Sales High School, which is a private school in Columbus, Ohio. But yeah, well, once I got to college, you, you understand there's a business to this. You know what I'm saying? The coaches, they're being paid to put the best players on the football field. And in that sense, like guys get lost in that moment because these coaches are putting their lifeline on how they get to take care of their family members. And if you don't produce, they get fired. That's when I started to feel pressure because everything became a business so quick. Was mental health something that was discussed for you as a high school athlete? Was that something at your school that people talked about or that you were mindful of? Mental health, it was not, it's not something that was discussed in high school, but I understand it because it wasn't, it wasn't that big that it is today. So I can't fault my high school, but knowing now what I know, I'm happy to go back and talk to these kids and let them know that winning is not everything. Football is the game. You have to take care of your mental first. And that's where I know now. And I'm, I love expressing it. Was there anybody that you knew in high school, in any sport that you felt like looking back, hey, they were dealing with some things mentally or emotionally? Yes. And I think it's a common thing, honestly. A lot of people, especially male athletes, they don't really talk about it. Once you just sit there and just realize and, and see the different patterns that they had or 
you see there's a difference in their mood or they don't have the same attention span or they're not putting everything into it that they used to. You see that there's something going on. So I did see that a lot now that I look back and I wish I could have been there for them. Now, I'm Korean and Koreans really don't believe, at least when I was growing up, didn't mm-hmm. believe in psychologists or therapists and things. And you just kind of grit teeth and persevere through things. That's just a cultural thing. And that's how I was raised. What was that like in your family? Like coming from Ghana, was mental health something that was discussed within your family or your community? Yes. So much like you, my family's kind of like the same thing. When you come from Ghana and you're in America, your parents are, they're trying to push forward that you become a doctor or you become a businessman, something in that nature. So obviously I had a different path and having that different path opened them up to a lot of things in life. Being able to talk to them, understand why I love this sport so much, the things that come with it. So it was something that was discussed in my Ghanaian family, thankfully to my brothers and then and my parents. I have three older brothers. They're one seven years older than me, the other one's 12, it goes on. So, you know, having them in my corner definitely helped me a lot. And I was able to discuss the tough parts about this game of football to them. And that kind of helped me develop this sense of having a shoulder to lean on if anything was to go on and be able to talk to them about things that was going on. And it definitely helped us for sure. Ryan, you were a three-star prospect, right? Is that accurate? Oh, Twenty-seven college offers. A really stressful process for athletes. What was your experience like with recruiting? So I had my first offer my junior year of high school after like my second game, and I felt it, it felt great to see a university finally take a chance on you and believe in you and your abilities. And then after the third game, fourth game came, I played real well. Then I started racking offers. Then I got Penn State, I got Michigan, I got Iowa. Like, it all just came super fast. Now, at the end of my junior year, I actually totaled up 30 official offers from universities. And the entire process was amazing. I look back and it's okay. They all showed love, but what I got out of it was like, okay, going to all these places, where is somewhere I could see myself going to for the next four years if football didn't work out? And I settled at the University of Oklahoma. Talking more about the process, the process was amazing. The only overwhelming part that comes with the process is having to talk to coaches every day or one day a coach may have super interest, like a uh, huge amount of interest in you. Like you said, I was a three-star athlete. So he's showing interest in me, but he's also showing interest into the five-star athlete. But the biggest thing that I think was probably hard was trying to figure out which coach actually wants the best for you because a lot of these coaches can be salesmen and sell you a dream of, hey, you can come here, do this and that. But in reality, they're just trying to get you to university just to meet the total number of scholarships or it's just like a whole ballpark of things. But that was kind of like the most stressful thing. And then also when you put all your time into a place or you're trying to go to a certain school and you do all the things that you can and you don't get that offer, that was also the tough parts about the recruiting process. You were a red shirt your first season of Oklahoma. And that can be a really humbling and frustrating experience for some athletes. What was your experience like as a redshirt? It's a humbling experience, not for just me, but for any high school player that comes in red shirts. Cause in high school, you were the guy that had all the touchdowns. You were the guy that had all the offers. Like you were that guy in high school. So when you get to college and you redshirt, it's whoa. And that time is just very hard because you have to really swallow a pill and say, Hey, 
I'm not ready yet. Maybe they're reassuring me for a reason. My body wasn't fully developed. My football knowledge wasn't up to par. I didn't know the schematics of all defenses at that time. It's a process. You know what I did? I took advantage of it. Like each day going to practice on scout team, I was like, I can't get better today. It was a tough process, but at the end of the day, it worked out and paid off for sure. Ryan, at Oklahoma, how was mental health rest? Mental health, I think it really didn't become a thing for us at Oklahoma until probably my junior year. So I had went through the tough process of my sophomore year of wanting to become something else in life and I know my purpose, but really understood, didn't understand my purpose in life until like I had to, people drilled it into my head. Junior year, that's when I think mental health was discussed because I think that was after COVID. From there, I was able to develop people I could talk to, people I could rely on if anything was going on. That's when our coaches was very receptive and understanding that we tell them something, like we can actually talk to them. So from there, guys had that open door policy in our team is, I think both you guys really utilize that for sure. How was mental health discussed as part of the NFL and as part of the Vikings specifically? Oh, the Minnesota Vikings, I'm going to fight myself, you guys right now, you guys don't come sell me, but Minnesota Vikings does, we do a bunch of great things like within our facility, like when it comes to treatment of players, treatment of staff members, like the whole staff top down, the whole organization top down, we're treated with a bunch of respect and love. And like you're, as soon as you walk into the building, you're going to feel it. Like our culture is different. We always go by this thing, our culture, our way, our process. Talking about mental health is one of the big things about our way, our way, our process. And our general manager has done a great job of um, having mental health conversations, having players, like it's a mandatory thing, really just comes sit down and understand what mental health is. How can we become better individuals and in situations when dealing with mental health, but also understanding that guys, like the door's open to talk to somebody. We have a doctor in our facility. He's well-known, respected, and everybody goes in and talks to him, but great guy. And it's something that I'm so happy that we have in our building that we take full advantage of. And guys know that they can go and talk to doctors. And it's not like that everywhere else too, by the way. NFL is, it's, it's a group of people in 32 different organizations. And every organization is different from the Minnesota Vikings. So I can only speak on the Minnesota Vikings, but I know that everywhere else is different. One study says 70% of black athletes with mental illness are not seeking treatment, which highlights the stigma that exists in the black community toward mental health and treatment. How do you feel about those numbers? And do you feel like that stigma is real? I probably would say I believe that stigma and that percent because of, I would say guys not knowing and understanding that they have people in their corner. As they're just a male, they're taught to hold everything in. You're, you're not a man if you don't talk to, you know what I mean? All those things or stereotypes that come with being a football player. Oh, you can't channel your emotions. You can't talk to somebody about your emotions. It makes you feel soft or you're a weak individual if you talk about your emotions. So that guys that are African-American do understand that this is something that's very important. And you can talk to anybody about whatever you're dealing with. And you don't have to hold everything in because the more you hold in, the more like frustrated you get, the more anger that you have built up in you. And you don't want any of that. You want to live life in a way that is full of grace, happiness, and gratitude. And that's how I go about it right now. But definitely continue to spread the word, give guys the opportunity to understand and learn what mental health is, and then how can we combat that?
what are some practical exercises or support measures that I can provide to my athlete in regards to mental health? Things I do is as soon as I wake up, like I have to meditate. That gives me a clear minded head going into my line of work. If you don't have a clear head going into the building, the rest of your day, you can be thinking about a bunch of stuff. Meditation is the first thing that you have to do so that you start your day with the proper mindset, the proper attitude, the proper way to go about your day. Then you get into your music and stuff like that. But definitely, I would say meditate in the morning so that you have a clear mind and you start your day with the right mindset and attitude. Reflecting back on your days as a young athlete, what do you wish your coaches might have done differently to help with the mental health of you and your teammates? I would say creating more group sessions so that we can create those friendships back. Let's say I was a running back and linebacker. So I was lucky enough to have the relationships with both people on both sides of the ball. But if you're a quarterback, you're not really talking to a linebacker, you're not talking to a D-line. I wish you did more group activities outside of the practice field so that you can get to, get to know my teammates better, understand their why and their purpose in the game of football. So that if anything going on, okay, here, your parents are struggling right now and you're the only hope right now to change their lives. Now I know how to approach you when things are going hard for you in life. And I know how to get the best out of you. And then creating those relationships, man, you have the ability to talk to one another. Once you create that relationship with the other person, now you can talk to them in any level and understand what's going on in their lives. How do I respond to my son about the possibility of him not making it to the NFL, NBA, et cetera, without crushing his spirit? All right, first, we're going to say this. Make it to the NFL, only 1% really makes it. And it, it's tough. Like I always say, I'm extremely blessed to be in the position I am today. But I knew, I knew how much hard work it took to get here. Now, it's okay. Everybody's path is completely different from mine. My path is going to be completely different from Levante David. My path is going to be completely different from Mike Evans or Tom Brady. Tom Brady was picked 199. I was picked 66. But does that mean I'm going to be the passing leader? Or am I, does that mean I'm going to be the all-time touchdown leader? Does that mean I'm going to have six rings? No. So you just have to understand that. What are the, what are the interests? What do you love in life? And whatever you love in life, be sure to take full advantage of it. Be sure to have love for what you do. Like I, I wake up every day and say, I love what I do. And then you can say that about anything else. I guarantee you there's nothing that you're going to be upset about in life. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. If you have any questions or comments, please visit my website, seankjensen.com and go to the contact page. You can even leave me a voice recording. And of course, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap. Whether you are a coach, administrator, or brand looking to reach the youth sports community, TeamSnap connects the world of youth sports. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen. Yeah.